Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Uh, I was just seeking the Lord this afternoon, and I really felt like I was going to come in and follow up a little bit on the father uh, heart and, and what is a father, the traits of a father. Sunday morning, we spoke about that. The scripture says you have, you may have thousands of instructors, but you have not many fathers. And I was going to kind of go down the line and talk about different fathers. And there's a lot of guys who are great. I mean, really, really gifted, anointed uh, men of God, but they were not good fathers. Uh, they had a lot of trails behind them. They weren't good fathers. And uh, there's no need to say who they are. There's no need to say uh, they're some of our forefathers. But then there was people that showed up in Scripture who were great fathers. They were incredible fathers. And uh, if you go all the way back to Adam, you go all the way back to Noah, you go all the way back uh, to Abraham, and you start going through the line and seeing what these guys were doing and all the way to, to Paul, who was a father to many but a dad to none. I mean, think about it. You don't have to be a dad to be father, you know, and, and Paul said that he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and he's, he went on and he said in first Corinthians four fifteen, Paul went on and he said, look, he said, uh, I do this, uh, as my forefathers did. So he found people and he started to emulate. He started to uh, imitate. He started to respond to their teachings. And, and I just hope that you, that you have that mindset in your heart to learn from and to experience and to draw from uh, those that are out there. I think some of the biggest changes in my life uh, were interactions with fathers, really interactions with fathers. And when I accepted and I uh, uh, approved of and I, I recognized God has anointed that. God made them a father. God put them as a father in my life. And, and I didn't always agree up front. I didn't see it from that perspective. But when I submitted to it, I got the benefits of it. I got the benefits of it. And so there's so much in there. And I hope that you kind of find yourself on a spiritual journey to really highly encourage you. If something is preached, something is taught in the church and you're like, wow, if you get intrigued by that, search it out, study it, look into it. I have conversations around uh, that subject and, and to therefore you can grow in that aspect. But as we were in worship tonight and, and uh, realizing where we were and the Lord said have space, wanted to give some space there, uh, the Lord reminded me and started to speak to my heart that we really didn't finish last Wednesday. We didn't finish in, in John chapter 8 and, and when the adulterous woman got caught in the very act there and the Lord said tonight, uh, again, I just feel this grace on it, is that he wants to clear some people of condemnation. He literally does. I think some people live in things. We've learned to live in things and we don't think there's a way out of that thing or, or that situation or that scenario there. And I just, wanna, I just want to minister the ministry of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to use the word to lay the foundation there, but I'm not going to try to do his ministry. I'm going to speak of the ministry of Jesus. I want you to know who Jesus is to you. I want you to know what Jesus provides for you. I don't want you to, uh, there's no need to duck. 
There's no need to hide. There's no need to uh, to uh, uh, shroud over somewhere. Be open to the word of God. It will perform. It will accomplish. You don't have to live uh, bound. You don't have to live stricken. You don't have to live uh, constrained. You don't have to live condemned. You just don't have to. You don't have to. I'll tell you a little story. Years ago, Gretchen and I were uh, being trained and discipled by a guy of how to live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. He was a, a, one of my counselors at Outreach Ministries, and then he would come over to our house after we got married, and he was, he was a bird. I mean, he was a bird. He was different. He was just different. And so uh, uh, he came to visit one time, and I came back out in the living room, and we lived on a little dead-end road, and I said, Gretchen, where's Phil? She said, look out the window. We had a big picture window, and he's walking down the road playing his guitar, just singing, worshiping the Lord, you know. He showed up at church one time. Gretchen's mom saw him, and, and he lived off of $50 a week. That's what he made. That was his income, $50 a week working outreach ministries. And we had what we call a blessing box. And the blessing box was like clothes that didn't go to the thrift store that came to us or students who had been students there. And they just packed up and they went right back to whatever they were doing before they came in and just left their clothes. And that became the blessing box. Okay, that was lost and found clothes, in other words. But that was a blessing to us because we had nothing. And Phil showed up and he had a suit on. He's so excited. And he got in there and I think he might have been doing a song at a church or something. And uh, he ironed the suit that morning with an iron. And he had a flat out iron mark in the back of his suit right back there. Didn't bother him the least bit. You know, it came from the blessing box. So anyway, so we're being trained in some things. And he introduced us to a, a dream by James Ryle. It's called Sons of Thunder. Anybody familiar with that? Sons of Thunder, very well. And so I uh, had this dream. James Ryle was the pastor of uh, McCartney, who is the leader of promise keepers and so all tied into that stuff and in this dream is in this white uh, uh old abandoned condemned uh garage white garage and and in this garage he goes in there in the dream and he looks over and he sees these big black boxes like musical equipment there of like if uh, like we don't have that kind of stuff really more 10 you know these things in the corner over here these big kind of subwoofers you know and uh they're in there and he and he reaches towards it and the 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 cord the power cord wraps around his hand in the dream and then all of a sudden it goes into a scenario and the, the Beatles are, are, are playing music and the Beatles and, and how many of y'all remember how people would swoo and just faint over the Beatles and maybe there's some of those in here, I don't know. But, you know, just, just that they just get captivated. You know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Come on, get with me. And so, uh, and, and what was happening was the amplifier, the speaker of the Beatles was wrapped around his hand and the Lord spoke to him and interpretation and dream was, I'm going to release the power back to the church and the church is going to be amplify worship and this is how people are going to respond in worship out in the streets and a little electric guitar so it goes on with that so anyway so Gretchen and I are in ministry we have a little building down in Huntsville and we had this building I called it ICU inner city undertaking okay we were just and it had a little heartbeat then and we're going out reaching the lost and that's where our first ever first ever ours or even the rocks uh a turkey outreach happened down there. That's where it started. The turkey outreach that we do started there. And the first year, the Rock like, hey, can we come help you? We're like, yeah, sure. You know, and they came down and they got involved with the inner city ministry. Uh, long story short, we needed a bigger building. And a guy who was working with us, we went down to look at the building. We found this old white building. 
This old white building's condemned. It's broken down. It kind of looked like the plaza used to look. It was just a ruined, desolate place there. And we're walking around inside there. And the guy who's given us a tour is British. He's got the accent and everything, you know, and, and he's walking through. And, and, but he's showing it for the guy who owns it, owns some petroleum company that has something out in uh, uh, Madison. And, and I look over and I see this big black box. And I said, excuse me. Uh, I said, what is that? He says, I wish I had a British accent. I'd give it to you. He said, oh, that's the Beatles' old sound equipment. Huntsville, Alabama, a condemned. Everybody say condemned. Condemned building. It had holes in the roof. It had rips in its covering. Its electrical was condemned. It did not function. It had no power. The plumbing didn't work, so it couldn't get uh, uh, waste out. Uh, the foundation was shifted. Uh, it wasn't grounded there, but there sits. And so I went like this, and that cord wrapped around. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I didn't notice it at first. We'd go out, and Gretchen said, do you remember the vision? Do you remember the dream? James Rowe was like, oh, my goodness, it's right there. Uh, while we're sitting here tonight, I was reminded of that. And I feel like, I'm just telling you, this is the way it works. I'm just telling you, I feel like this late summer into the fall, we're going to do an outdoor worship here. We're going we're gonna to do something in Scottsboro. We're going to get the worship out on the streets and just go for it. It's not going to be a picnic. It's not going to be bring your shade and your chairs. We're going to go worship. We're going to change the atmosphere of our community, of your neighborhood, of your playground, of where you shop. We're going to change the atmosphere. It's not meant to remain inside of here. We've done this before. We've done it in other places. We used to take trips to Portland, Oregon, where there's 2,000 runaways, and we got one time, we went and we did no preaching on a Saturday. We did eight hours of nothing but worship and people, did you want, were you on that trip, Shadrach? People would literally, would they not just come to the stage who have never heard worship before and just melt, come in the back, got delivered of demons. I mean, marriage is being restored just by the presence of God. We're going to set an atmosphere like that. So condemned, shut down, not useful, not being used. Uh, not not in, in, in a permitted atmosphere. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 6, you can do these things if God permits. You need the permit of God in your life. God is not going to let you live in an unholy, an unrighteous, uh, a, a prideful. He's not going to let you live in there and think that you can be useful. He's just not. He's not going to do that. And so we need the permit of God. We need to be free from condemnation. You only get the permit when it says this is conducive to be able to be useful. You're, 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 you're in condemnation when you've had something and it doesn't work right anymore. It's not aligned right anymore. It's not in place anymore. So I want to deal with condemnation. Condemnation is the expression of very strong disapproval or censure. And I think that David was very good with this. David's like, I mean, David had some mess, y'all. David had some, some mess, okay? But David said, search my heart to make sure it's true. He said, take the reins of my life. Censor me. You, you put a censor on me. You watch. You determine what is acceptable, what's not acceptable in my life. There was times David was being used at high optimums. There was times that he was running for his life. There was times that he was, he, was, he was useful and times that he was not useful at all. We want to be useful for the Lord. So let's go to, to uh, uh, John chapter 8. 
And we're going to pick up in, in verse 7. So when they continued asking him, they're just, they're, they're, they're just going at Jesus and saying, you know, what are you going to do with this woman? What are you going to do with this woman? Moses said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. You know how the story goes. Uh, they all, this is very important though. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it. So when people preach about what he wrote, they're missing what is said. It's what he said that made a difference in their life. It's what he said. They said when they heard it. When they heard it. So what they heard made a difference. He said, you without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. Being convicted by their conscience. Paul said, with a good conscience, I follow the act of my forefathers. With a good conscience. I was talking with Gretchen, had met with somebody Earlier this, actually she had, and then and I did later. But there was somebody that was that was dreaming out and praying about their their goals in life. I mean, like life goals, big stuff, big things, like relationship, marriage. But then they said, "But you know what? When I say something or do something that's wrong, I don't really feel any conviction." And I said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." If you can't feel it at that level, don't you dare trust what you're thinking on this level. Well, listen to me. This happens all the time. People are going around living life in their carnal nature, in their, oh, go about business however they want, and they've got these little things going on in their life. But then they're asking God for these huge big things and are all excited and their emotions are all caught up in this because they know this is good and this is what they want. You can't trust that if in the little things you're not convinced or convicted and your conscience is not pure. If you can go and be around sin and it doesn't trouble your conscience and your conscience doesn't say that's wrong and you keep doing what is wrong, you're probably more condemned than you realize. You don't want to be and you don't have to be condemned. So part of this is indicated, it's an indicator, your mind. Where is your mind? Do you have a good conscience? Let, listen, it's not hard to get. He said, let this mind be in you. The mind of Christ. So Jesus is functioning. He's meditating. He's considering. And then he speaks in a situation. And when he spoke, spoke and he had the right mind, he spoke, it convicted their conscience. Friends, here's some religious gurus. Here's some, oh, I want to be gentle here. They're cuckoo. These people are, are, are bad. When you wait to watch a woman commit the act of adultery and catch her in the middle of it, and then you come out with stones, and you're wanting to stone somebody? Something's not right. Boom, in a moment. They're convicted in their conscience. We need mind changes. We need our minds shifted. Where does it come? Through the word of the Lord. It comes through the word of the Lord. You're struggling. You've got an argumentative. You've got a disagreeing. You've got a doubting mind. You've got that. <coughs> Excuse me. You need the word of the Lord. We need the word of the Lord. 
We need our minds to be cleansed with the word of God and submitted to the spirit of Jesus. He goes on and he says this. They're being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. You got, you got to get something. Your first thought, watch this. Your first thought is, mine was, Jesus was left alone. He's all there by himself. But the reality is, he wasn't. The woman's there. Go back to what was happening. They were pecking at him. They were pestering him. They're going after him. When they kept asking him that question, he had already stooped down once, rose himself, and he's asking, asking, asking. They left him alone. I got news for you. You can get into a place where the devil has to leave you alone. Well, your mind, listen to me. This is what I'm starting to offer to you tonight from the word of God. Your mind can be free from that irritation, agitation, interruption, that pestering spirit, that, that uh, divination, that annoying spirit. <clears throat> you can be free from it. Jesus showed you how. Speak to it. When the accuser comes and says, you're this and that, sometimes you agree with the adversary. You know, you're right. I was, but I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore. And so now he's free. He's left alone. They're leaving him alone. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I don't know why we have to make it so much bigger than that. I don't know why we have to garner in some huge spiritual warfare hovering. When the reality is, submit to God, resist the devil. But as long as you, as long as you entertain yourself with the devil and employ yourself to the devil, don't expect him to leave. He's not going to leave. And I've got news for you. that If you can't cast him out of yourself, you ain't going to be casting him out of nobody. Right? And so we need to realize it begins here. It begins here. So Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Jesus has the ability to raise himself up. L listen to me. Listen to me. I don't, you need to desire Position yourself, equip yourself. Levi was in the living room last night and we're all just kind of laughing and talking. I wish I had it here right now, but I don't know where it came from. It's not mine, but one of those big, big exercise balls. You know what I'm talking about? Bouncy things, you know. I mean, you can take a grandchild. You know, practice for a softball game on July 8th. You know, just bounce them off that thing. And Levi has bent back on that thing, and, and he's rolled back up over on that thing, and, and he's asking Harvard to hold my toes, hold my toes. And Gretchen said, well, can you not get up? He said, well, not without my toes. But then when he got his toes in the right place, he lifted himself up. And I thought, that boy's got some guts, like muscles, because I'd be like, Rolling off that thing. You know what I'm talking about? It'd be like, bounce me off of this thing. Friends, it takes a lot to lift yourself up. 
And if you haven't been doing sit-ups, if you haven't been doing push-ups, if you haven't been, it's going to be more and more difficult. You need to determine in your life, I'm going to be able to get up no matter how down I get, how pressured I get, how difficult it gets in my life. I'm going to be able to stand for myself. You have got to determine today that you're going to be a stronger Christian. You got to determine today that, that you'll have the confidence it takes and have the mind that it takes to stay strong in the Lord, no matter what is pressuring up against you. Because I'm here to tell you, it's not going to get any easier out there. It's going to get harder out there. Listen to me. It's not going to get any easier out there. It's going to get more difficult out there. I literally, I, I might get a little vulnerable here, but I literally went into a store this week. I think it was yesterday. I went into a store. And I walked in that store and I thought, oh my goodness. And this is what came to my spirit. I didn't tell my wife about this. I said, I'm that guy. I could hear it and I said, I'm that guy. And I'm looking around, I'm thinking, nobody's looking at me like I'm that guy. But I'm that guy. I'm that guy that preached a message about transgenderism. I'm that guy that preached a message about redeeming the rainbow. It's going to get out to somebody and not everybody's going to love it. Not everybody's going to like it. I'm going to become a target. And I could feel that coming in. And I could feel that pressure. But knowing the mind of Christ, knowing the truth, and only the truth will set you free, knowing love and only love is not, was, does not fail. And I had to encourage myself in the Lord instead of going, oh, oh, it's going to be so terrible. I had to encourage my, and raise myself up. I'm telling you, we must know how to raise ourselves up. Jesus raised himself up. There's a little indication. Well, I won't even go there. We don't have time for that. So Jesus was left alone. A woman standing there. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her. Notice, he's being pestered. The woman's just caught in the act. She's not even being stoned. Who's the story really about? Is it about the woman or is it about Jesus? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Even when it comes to what the woman gets, it's still about Jesus because it's Jesus who gave it to her. And if you can't raise yourself up, you're not going to raise anybody else up. We have got, there ought to be a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm going Pentecostal on y'all. I need some amens in this house somewhere, somehow, sometime. Just so I know you get it. If you can't raise yourself up under the situations you're going under, you're not going to help anybody else out of theirs. We have got to get stronger. Now listen, this is a continuation from last week. Don't sit there and think, well, I talked to him today. He just premeditated. He's just trying to, mm -mm. Mm -mm. This is what he told us last week. He wants to get us free. He said, uh, woman. And she said, I'm not a woman. He said, yeah, you are. He said, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? He said, where are those accusers of yours? He wants her to, to, to see the scenario. You see, when he saw her, he said, where are they? She's still under the condensation of it she's still under the condemnation of it she's still under the guilt of it 
See, he's still under the shame of it. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're, this, uh, there's somebody in the back. I'm just going to go prophetic for some. There's somebody in the back here. I'm not going to look back there. I don't know exactly who you are. But this next phrase, you need to understand this. She's still under the influence of it. And there are people in this room who are still under the influence of the spiritual condition that condemned you, that tricked you, that manipulated you. And tonight, Jesus wants to set you free. He didn't have to shock a lock of nothing. He didn't have to hubba bubba nobody. He didn't have to jerk this and, and sway that. Listen to me. Just the words of Jesus. Uh, you need to understand those words are as true today. You have no excuse. They are as true today as they were that day he said it. How do I know that? Because his word is not bound. It's not bound. But some people are still under the influence of negativity, backbiting, gossiping, lying, pride, whatever it may be. He speaks to the atmosphere around her. Friends, an apostolic and prophetic voice will speak to the environment, not just to the person. Jesus has changed the environment. The intrusive, accusing. Let, let me ask you something. Does the environment change you when you're with them? Or do you change the environment when you're with them? They call you. They text you. Uh, they talk to you. Who changes the environment? Because if you can't change the environment, you'll be controlled by the culture. Bottom line, whether that culture is at work, whether that culture is on your, your television, whether that culture is in your record, wherever it may be, you cannot let the culture dominate and control you. I had somebody who was on the foreign mission field some years ago. And they called me up, and there were some very, very uh, uh, unholy things happening in the ministry. And just so happened, people I knew were going to that nation, to that city, to that very place the next day. I called him up, and I said, look, this is what's happening. This is what's taking place. He said, you know, you need to understand something. That's a different culture over there. Friends, I don't care what culture you live in. A man and a woman of the opposite sex who are not married to one another do not need to be in a room all by themselves and her sitting on his lap. I don't care if he is a spiritual daddy. And I said to that man the words I've never said before. I said, culture does not dictate holiness. And let me tell you something. Your profession does not dictate your holiness. If your life does not line up with his word and with his spirit, and with, with his presence, you can say whatever you want. But it will not, it will not mean that you're right. Our lives must line up with the word of God. They must. All right, five minutes of grace here. Listen to this. She said, no one, Lord. Uh, no, no, one, no one's here to accuse me and... He said, as no, one condemned, no, one, no one's condemned me. Don't let people do what they can't do unless you let them do it. 
You didn't get that, did you? No one condemned me. Yeah, but you're condemned. You're downcast. You're guilty. You're shame. You're mad. You're angry. Whatever it may be, you allowed that to happen. Yeah. You opened up that door. You didn't resist it. You, you, didn't, you didn't keep yourself in the right mind. You didn't raise yourself up. I told somebody, I think it was in my office today. I, I, I use this quite often. The culture has changed so much that if you think about raising your voice, they're offended. They're hurt. If you even think about using the scripture to correct your child with a rod, you're abusive. Don't let them take your kingdom from you. Don't let them take you out. When they start to see you weaken and crumble and bend, you're not walking with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego no more. You're starting to bow to a cultural rule. They are your children. You are a Christian. You are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you have every right to live according to the word of God. Your spirit has to be right. Now, I'm not, I, do not, I do not promote anybody who, who punishes out of anger. There's not a license for that whatsoever. That is abuse. That's wrong. But you can't let the culture take away and dictate what you can and what you cannot do. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. What a great story. And that's where most people stop now. Neither do I condemn you. You're free. Go. No, he said, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He removed her condemnation. But he did not remove himself from his holiness. And told her to move herself into his righteousness. You go and sin no more. We just, can I use this as an example? Oh, everybody's going to sin. Everybody's got a little problem. Listen, I, I uh, have been told this numerous times. You preach too tall of a gospel, too high of a standard. Uh, nobody can live by what you preach by. To me, that is the same as saying, I spit on my Bible. Friends, I try to be as vulnerable with you as possible, as real with you as possible. I am not a perfect man whatsoever, but that is the word of God, and it changes not. Culture does not dictate holiness. It just doesn't. Truth is truth. Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. If you're gracious, but you're not telling the truth, you're shooting short. We would be shooting short. He says, go and sin no more. Delivered from, he offers freedom from condemnation. He drives all that, all that back and removes all that. He, he, he re restores an atmosphere for her to be safe in. And he can do that for you too. Therefore, 
Now there is no condemnation. Listen to this. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but according to the spirit. But people will just quote, therefore now there's no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and they're quoting that off the basis of, I have Jesus in me. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. I think you should have Jesus in you. But it says, for you not to be condemned, you have to be in Christ. And walking in the Spirit. But if you're walking in the flesh, there'll be condemnation. I don't know what made us think that we could... Make it out to be we wanted to be. I mean, maybe it's not you guys, but you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of people who are living like hell, expecting to go to heaven. And it just doesn't line up. It just doesn't line up. I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago on the phone. And we were, it was a business deal, working through this business deal. And in the end of it, we came to an agreement. At first, we were, we were far off from one another. Came to a business deal. And we were both happy. I said, hey. I said, we could, we could have, a, have a meal together or something. Just, you know. He goes, yeah, I'd love to break bread. He said, I'll even hold a glass. He said, you're a pastor, aren't you? He knows I'm a pastor. He asked me to open in a prayer in every one of our meetings. He wants to break bread, terminology. He said, ah. I mean, I could see him on the other side running on the, he's like, we, he said, well, he said, well, one of my other players, he knew that he's pro proclaiming one too, but he's saying, we're going to hold a glass up and toast with alcohol over something we just asked God to bless. Now, you might think I'm nitpicky. I am. I am. Because if I don't get the first lie in my head, I won't get the rest of the lies in my head. <laughs> That's kind of gross, isn't it? Think about it. Neither do I condemn you. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Okay, so as you stand your feet. So if he's the light of the world, he said, he who walks, who, who follows me will not be in darkness. That's the same way of saying if you're in darkness, you weren't walking in the light. Well, how do you walk in the light? I'm happy you asked. If you walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The apostle Paul said it this way. We, we, we bring it to a prayer meeting as if it's passion and zeal. He said, but I, I, I pray without ceasing. He didn't say I stay in the prayer room all night. He said I pray without ceasing. I watched the uh, uh, memorial service for the late uh, Dr. Charles Stanley. And the guy who became his associate pastor, when he came in, Dr. Stanley, uh, they introduced, he said, come on. He said, let's go into the prayer closet. He said, I've never been invited into somebody else's prayer closet in all my life. He said, we go into prayer closet. I'm with Dr. Charles Stanley. It's my first day on the job. He closes the door. We're in pitch black dark. He said, my eyes are starting adjusting. He said, and I see Dr. Stanley there, and I can see. And all of a sudden, he goes to his knees. So I went to my knees. He went to his face. So I went to my face. He went, oh, Lord. He said, I went, oh, Lord. He started to imitate what he had never, ever seen before. 
fellowship with one another. You need to fellowship with those who fellowship with Jesus. You need to evangelize those who don't. You need to be a light in this world. There are people waiting for your light to get brighter because their darkness is so dark. Our light is not making a difference. It's fellowship. But a prayer room is not, praying without ceasing, not just staying in a prayer room and never coming out. Paul said he prays always. He's always praying and he prays in all ways, in the spirit and in the understanding. I'm just, I'm just trying to exhort you to go deeper with him. Walk in the light as he's in the light. Let's tie right back into our father thing. The sermon would have been, be the one. Jesus said, the father and I are one. He said, if you've seen him, you've seen me. Paul said, imitate me. Guys, we get to imitate Jesus Christ. Make it your desire to be as much like Jesus as possible. As much like Jesus as possible. And you'll know the Father. You'll reveal the Father. And you'll be light to those who are in darkness. If they ever have bowed for just a moment, if you struggle with any form of condemnation, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand where you are. I'm going to pray specifically over you. Guilt or shame. Self-condemnation. Lack of self-worth self-hatred Father I'm asking tonight the words spoken where are your accusers that no one condemn you I speak freedom over you of condemnation in Jesus name I ask that Jesus turns the light back on in your life I ask that Jesus repairs the cracks in your life I ask Jesus to restore the covering in your life, the foundation in your life. He wants to use you. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to abide in you. And he invites you, yearns for you to abide in him and dwell in him also. I say this to you, go and sin no more. I say this to you, may your conscience be convicted and may your mind be renewed by the Spirit of Christ Jesus. I say to you, be free. Be free in the name of Jesus. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may the Lord find great delight in you and may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you and may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.